Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 183 of Geek Town Radio. And I have this week with me... Matt, how are you doing? I'm good, Dave. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thanks. Cool. What, what have you been up to recently? Uh, well, I'm going to start with a negative, but end with uh, three positives. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fair, I, I suppose. I'm going to start off with Supergirl. I'm really struggling to enjoy this season in any way, shape or form. Really? Because if you if you remember, me and Robert actually stopped podcasting after after season three, that the third season was our last. We, we were just like, we, we just don't want to want to do this kind of thing anymore yeah um we did give it a like send-off podcast we didn't say like hey we're just gonna not do anything for it because i thought season three was particularly bad for for certain reasons again in in that i explain why and i thought hey i'll come back for season four i haven't got the podcast so i haven't got to like concentrate on it so much kind of thing uh and i can just watch it a bit more sort of maybe freely or without thinking about it as much kind of thing um i think it's got the the same kind of problems for for in season four but with different characters because you don't have the villains from season three the main two problems i'm having with the show one of which started last season and robert pointed out quite a bit is it's it's too political which for robert's side obviously he lives in america and trump and all that stuff and he's more involved you could say with that yes uh, as opposed to me who i can somewhat ignore the trump stuff and just go on about things so he, he obviously had that problem slightly more than what i did for obvious reasons um but my problem since pretty much after the pilot i don't remember as much of season one but in seasons sort of two three and four i've always felt the supergirl was too weak <laughs> and uh it continued to be uh, a problem in in season four there was a particular scene in an episode i think it was the the, the premiere or the second episode where she's she's trying to get into this door or something supergirl these two people come in the window punch supergirl in the face or something they put the uh the metahuman handcuffs on her and then they just kick her out the window those types of scenes that just annoy me quite a bit because i feel like with you know with arrow and with flash and black lightning and uh like like the legends that they're able to at least fight better i, I i've never really felt like those characters have been weak i mean i know like with rachel ghoul and arrow and stuff you you had the fight there but that was was like you know explain better and he overcame the, the villain and stuff i keep trying to watch it and keep trying to enjoy it because i want to try and try and enjoy it but i'm just i'm just not and i'm not sure what to, what to I, do well, about that yeah so, i mean uh, it's a yeah. fun it's a fundamental problem with either a supergirl or a superman series it's always been a fundamental problem that he's 
so ridiculously overpowered. Uh, yeah. And both of those characters have always been ridiculously overpowered. So you yeah. have to find some way of knocking them down a peg or two. And that's where the problem comes in. And to do that on a TV budget can be quite difficult. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I, I don't have as many issues with the show this season. I, I think I, I can understand certainly from Robert's point of view, why you know, the political stuff is, is very right. grating on him. I can, I, I entirely get that. <laughs> I, I mean, I quite like it. I like what they're doing with it. I like that sort of analogy that they're using. That that mm-hmm. works for me. Overall, though, I am I am kind of enjoying this season. I don't like it as much as some of the others. I mean, Legends is getting very silly this season, but I rather like that. Yeah. I like the fact that it's it, that they're just prepared to do whatever in that right. show. And but it's, like we we know that they know that, and they can kind of we can kind of go with it, kind of thing. Yes. Like, it, it very yeah. much like walks its own line that series compared to the others mm-hmm. and, and you don't have as much of that sort of problem we've even with you know i mean arrow's a man and with flash yes he is a meta but his only power is speed you know whereas with, with superman and supergirl the powers you know are speed strength invulnerability you know it, so it it's always a, a problem because I'm relating this more to the comic books. So, you know, with Superman, they've always said, yeah, this is a person who, if he had the different personality type, could essentially be a god that's a dictator to the world mm. because he's that overpowered. He could be ruling everybody, but he chooses not to do that. Mm. And that's always a problem when it comes to a TV show is he could essentially turn up and just smash somebody in the <laughs> face and, you know, he or she could turn up and smash somebody in the face and that would be it. So, yeah, I mean... It's tricky and you've either got to kind of take the point of view of you just got to roll with it, let it go, or you take issue with it and just stop watching. See, I'm, I'm still watching it because I want it to get better instead of, because I know people that like, you know, try and hate watch stuff and I, I don't really kind of understand that. But um, yeah. I'm watching it in the hopes of like, hope, hopefully this episode will be, be better and then like there's a few good things. I'll, I'll see how it goes for the, for the rest of the season. Uh, just thought I'd bring it up. Um, yes. Spyro, the uh, re- reignited trip. Trilogy, the remastered trilogy came out a week ago from when this is coming out. This podcast uh, came out on the 13th of November last week. It's pretty good. I, I like it a lot. Um, I haven't got as much as the like sort of nostalgia for that as I do with Crash. Uh, if you're familiar with like, I guess me as a podcaster, really yes. love Crash Bandicoot a lot. <laughs> and I think it's uh, Crash Bandicoot 3, I think is the best platform I've, I've, I've ever played. But uh, I do like Spyro more than Mario and more than uh, Jack and Dexter. But what, what about you? What's your kind of... Uh, I remember Spyro. I've I've not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I liked Crash at the time. I I don't know. It, they're not my sort of games. Those type of platformy things. Right. I mean, I have Odyssey, and I've not really played it very much. I I like games that have you know are more story driven. I'm far more into those sort of things, or mm-hmm. things that are strategy games or building games. You know, those those are the things that I gravitate towards. So those sort of platformy things, mm-hmm. um, the kind of cutesy little what I would call a Nintendo game, you know, <laughs> uh, that, that sort of feel. I'm not as into that sort of stuff. So I've not really played any, either of these. I remember playing the original Spyro when it was out, but I, they're not ones that I'm likely to get. Yeah. But yeah, you know, people enjoy them. 
go for it. Mm-hmm. That's what I say. Uh, Hill House or Haunting of Hill House. I, I finished really, really good series around like episode five and six is when I felt it really started to sort of click, um, particularly because of certain story beats, which obviously I won't spoil. Yeah. But um, the, the, the first sort of three or four episodes, it, get, it, it sort of tries to tell you like, OK, this is what type of horror story this is. And it very much has like, you know, it jumps back and forth between the two timelines with, with the older versions of the kids and with the younger versions of them, like at yeah. the house with, with the younger dad and, and the mama and everything. And throughout like the first nine episodes, there's, there's this feeling that like something happened and they, 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 they kind of keep alluding to it and the characters keep saying, oh, but we yeah. never solved this or when this happened. And you're thinking like, okay, okay, what's, what is that? But it doesn't kind of like annoy you. It, it gets sort of mentioned throughout the season as this, as this interesting kind of mystery. But as things slowly get revealed, like the red door stuff and some of the other ghosts in the background, as they kind of get revealed a bit more, it does kind of slowly give you those answers. But the main kind of cool thing with it is um, I think when you're seeing like ghosts in the background of certain rooms, like if it kind of gives you that sense of like, okay, what is that? Why is it there? What's it going to do? Yeah. Uh, I think it does all that really, really well. I would actually suggest that you watch it at night instead of like sort of one, you know, if you're going to watch it like a Saturday afternoon or something, it just won't quite be as effective. Yes. That, it's really meant to be this kind of like tense horror thing as opposed to something you just like, you know, like an episode of The Flash or something. You, you <laughs> can just kind of watch or something. Yeah. It's really good at what it tries to do as well. So um, yeah. has it been renewed for season two? I don't okay. think it has yet as far as we're aware. It's been talked about a lot. It's been very successful from what I've, I've heard. So yeah, it, seem, well. it seems to have been pretty successful. I, I don't know whether it's one of those things that would end up being a kind of anthology series in some way, but... I think that might work. I I watched the first few episodes of it i haven't actually got back to watching the rest of it yet horror is not really a, a sort of area that i i generally kind of gravitate towards but i did really enjoy the two episodes i've watched i've just other things have got in the way and i just haven't managed to as as always happens i end up watching <laughs> one or two episodes or something and then get distracted by other stuff uh yeah. but it is one that i would like to go back to i might do that sort of over the christmas break and try and watch the rest of it yeah like like i tend to try and watch things like you know scream and halloween and those sorts of slashes and like survival yeah, yeah. films and, and like the, the series that's actually called slasher as well that that's similar in that way yeah. just to see who survives and that sort of thing a bit like the sort of saw thing obviously saw is more like game based and stuff um but but i'm trying to get into like different types of horror american horror story this season i'm not really feeling quite so much um it, it's going a bit sort of witchy yeah. but not but not in a like sabrina way i feel like sabrina's doing that better than the american horror story but uh yeah some things working and some things don't um, the Good Place just finished, unfortunately, for the mid-season finale, a little bit unexpectedly. You, usually we kind of know, uh, I mean, and this is this is my first time watching the series weekly, so I didn't know how many episodes would, would be in like the first half of the season, plus it's 13, so there isn't like half and half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've been reviewing it this season. It's been it's been really, really good. Really, really good first half to, to season three. What, what do you kind of think of it? It's been phenomenal, that series. Yeah. It's been one of my favourite comedies of the year. The way it changes and morphs every season into... <laughs> something a little bit different nothing kind of ironically for a show that that, that was all about resetting things in the early days uh, you know yeah. the, the fact is that the actual show itself doesn't go back to the start and uh, like a lot of traditional sitcoms it's not like that it alters on every single season to quite drastically so i'm thoroughly enjoying this season i, I think it is one of the best comedies on tv and uh, well well worth watching if you haven't caught it yet yeah and then i just want to quickly mention the walking dead it's gone, gone a bit better this, this yes. season 
yeah. since uh, Gimple has been not fired but like moved to another room kind of thing and yeah. uh, Angela Kang has, has uh, finally taken over so um, yeah, yeah it's, it's been very very good this season we've only got two episodes left um, but since like episode six it's basically been like her walking dead because she was kind of wrapping up Gimple's mess that he left so. <laughs> yeah. Just wanted to say it's 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 nice to kind of yeah. enjoy watching it a bit more again rather than waiting for it to be good. Uh, it also makes it better for, for podcast wise because you yeah. can enjoy a bit better. So yeah, uh, if, yeah that's if you want to know more about uh, the Walking Dead, oh, yeah, obviously me and Matt do a weekly podcast on the Walking Dead, mm-hmm. which is out on EntertainmentTalk.org every Wednesday. But uh, yeah, I would completely agree with that point. And if you are somebody that got really annoyed by last season and abandoned it go back and watch this season it's vastly vastly improved it is a much much better show now than it was for most of last season so uh yeah i I would urge you to go back and try it again because this season's been excellent i think Mm. so far I i think even if you did randomly drop out at some point in like seven or eight I think because like with the, with the time jump and stuff at the start of nine, that's actually a fairly decent place to just like jump back in. Yeah. So yeah, that's a it's it's good for that as well. Stuff that I've been up to, other than Red Dead, but you've got it on your list. So yes. So uh, for me, uh, Blind Spot came back for its fourth season, and uh, it's as silly a show as it ever was. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, they, they, they've we've talked before about how many things can they end up tattooing before this gets completely ridiculous. But the nice thing about the show this season is you've got this. Interesting interesting change in one of the lead characters jane has reverted back to her remy persona which is the sort of the, the, you know was always the original plan right at the very start was although we didn't know who she was it was revealed that she was trying to infiltrate the fbi but had just lost her memory and that persona's now reappeared so uh, you've got that as an interesting sort of inside mole as one of the lead characters that you knew really well and uh, she's doing a great job actually playing that or sort of battling the situation that she's in because the organisation has been sort of fallen apart and all that sort of stuff. So uh, really enjoying that. Narcos Mexico started this season as, as well, which is, is Narcos, but not Narcos. It's it's actually Narcos Mexico season one, although it is the fourth season of Narcos. It resets everything because it moves everything from Colombia to Mexico. Diego Luna is one of the uh, leads in it. It's just brilliant really really good as if you like the first few seasons of narcos you'll like this one it's very much the same sort of format i don't know how accurate a lot of this stuff is but you end up with certain characters which are introduced as minor characters but you know are going to end up becoming major players later on because they're names that you might recognize from the drug cartels so uh yeah i mean it's it's been fascinating and um i think i'm about four episodes into that so i'm i'm thoroughly enjoying that go and watch it it's well worth it um I also watched the first episode of the Romanoffs, which it's kind of an anthology series where every episode is is slightly it takes an entirely different cast. So each episode is is utterly different. The thread that stitches them all together is all the characters are descendants of the Romanoffs who were the Russian royal family that were all horrifically murdered. So they're all sort of scattered around the world, all these descendants, and they're very, very distant. I mean, that was sort of years and years ago. So they're all very distant descendants of that family and some sort of know that they are, some don't. And it's just looking at various things to do with their lives. I've only watched the opening episode so far. Uh, I say episode, they're an hour and a half long each. Oh. So, so right. they're, they're essentially 
essentially mini movies um, or almost full length features actually and, and it was one of those I actually uh, listened to it because I'm interviewing the uh, composers for it later on and uh, it was another one of those where I thought oh well I need to watch an episode of this but I don't know whether I actually want to watch it really enjoyed the first episode I was sort of half playing around on my phone when it first started and end up getting sucked into it so it is well worth watching I, my my only critique would be the fact that hour and a half is a long time to have to dedicate to something for every single episode because it is essentially like watching a movie every time you sit down mm. to watch an episode for it it doesn't feel long when you're watching it it works but it's just if you're struggling for time that's maybe not the best decision to make them that that long but yeah thoroughly enjoyable uh the first episode is a sort of is all set in paris and it's this uh young couple who are the the young guy is the nephew of this sort of elderly woman who is a direct romanoff descendant and is this horrible sort of cantankerous old woman and it's dealing with the carers that are coming in to look after her she's somewhat racist it would be fair to say and they ended up with a muslim Mm -hmm. uh with a muslim carer that comes in so it's kind of an interesting story the the way that it deals with it but i i really enjoyed the first episode of it i i want to go and watch a few more of them it's just finding the time to actually do it it's it's proving difficult so um that's the Romanoffs. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. If you want to go and uh, watch that, there was a couple of trailers for Toy Story Four release this week. I don't know if you've caught either of those. Yeah, I I love Toy Story. Uh, I mean, who doesn't? Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very much like you know the, the Crash Bandicoot, Spider Man, the, the, the childhood nostalgia goodness <laughs> yes. uh, that that we we can enjoy. It's been too long. I mean, yeah. I know like a lot of people say, oh, the the third one should have been the end and stuff. But hey, I want more Toy Story because. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a great ending to, to yeah. that, and it ended that arc quite well. You know, things have somewhat changed. The trailers don't give away very much, other than there is a character no. called Forky in this one who's struggling with the idea that he was a fork and is now turned into a toy. And what I loved was they then did the follow up trailer, which uh, has Key and Peele doing the voices, who were a great comedy duo. And it's those two guys who are, are toys from a fair, like a you know the. That you win on a sideshow at a fair, and uh, it's the pair of them discussing the first trailer, which is extremely meta. But that was what the second trailer was, and I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. I thought it was great. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think that's out next year. Toy Story yeah, Four, June something, something like that. Yeah. So Disney uh, have got a big year next year. They yeah. really have. Yeah. Yeah. There's a um, lot of big big stuff. Yeah. Coming they've out got from like Avengers Four, Spider Man Two. Uh, they've got um, what's Ca- it called? Captain, Captain Marvel, Marvel, Frozen Two, Toy Story Four, and they got the the three live action things: Aladdin, Lion King, and Dumbo. Yeah. Well, yeah. yes, they have um, got a big year next year. Star Wars Nine, Episode Nine. Oh yeah, um, yeah, that as well. Yeah bunch of stuff <laughs> crazy yeah. crazy and the last thing on the list of course is uh, red dead redemption 2 which we talked a little bit about last week as well uh, yep. i've actually finished it now i finished the well i finished the story mode of it anyway what a phenomenal game yeah, <laughs> just, it is. just, I, I, I mean, I, I've been playing it pretty much, you know, every weekend uh, after I've been finished working. I've been playing for a few hours every night. I just really solidly engrossing story throughout, and it seems to go on forever. 
I mean, there's what six chapters. Yeah, six chapters and two and two epilogues. Ep- epilogues, yeah, yeah. Um, and and, uh, then, and then thirty minutes of credits with snippets of characters. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah, just just crazy, crazy amount of stuff. And I mean, the epilogues could be a game in themselves. I think it's uh, you. You almost are. Yeah, in, in a way, they're almost like a whole another chapter kind of thing. Yeah, so. they are pretty much. And uh, I mean, when, then when you finish playing, you can basically go back and wander around in the world and you know, still go and complete things that you haven't finished and and that sort of stuff i mean some of the side quests won't be there but you, you know you can go and complete going after legendary creatures and go hunting mm. and that sort of thing i mean the epilogues the, there is an entire area of the game the, the sort of blackwater area and the place behind that which is actually the original red dead map the area of of blackwater and that whole section which you can, basically can't get to for most of the game because if you wander in it yeah, on, on most of the game you you the... get what you you're not only wanted because sometimes you can want wander through the wanted dead or alive areas not have too much hassle but that area you go in and suddenly the um pinkertons pop up out of nowhere and just chase after you so you can uh-huh. run around it a little bit but it's very very difficult to get very far in it without getting shot to death so um you can't really explore that area until you get into the epilogue bit and i mean th- that's insane there is an entire huge portion of the map which you can't get to until after the main the majority of the story of the game is finished which is is it just madness but i think it's brilliant because it it gives you this whole other side that you can then play around with after the game is finished Mm. but um I, I thought it was really interesting that they'd included that because that is it's basically the map from the first game that bottom section with the exception of of the mexico bit which isn't there but other than that it's the map from the first game I do wonder whether they're going to, because obviously there's an online section which hasn't been released yet, but I do wonder mm. what DLC might be coming. I wonder what they could even do with and we, It would be really interesting. Yeah. It'd be really interesting for them almost to remaster Red Dead 1, the original Red Dead Redemption, in the new engine, because you've got half the map there already. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and look at something like The Witcher. I mean, The Witcher, for one of their expansions, created an entirely new area. So it, it's entirely possible that you could do that and just create the Mexico bit and basically remaster Red Dead 1 because Red Dead 1 it's set after Red Dead 2 because Red Dead 2 was a prequel so it it would be interesting to take that entire story and run it afterwards Mm -hmm. Uh, you know I I mean whether whether they will do that I kind of doubt because it probably is quite a lot of work but I think there is an appetite for it if they wanted to do a remaster of it I think there is definitely an appetite for it and maybe tweak little bit to add mentions into some of the things that that you now know have happened um, from Red Dead 2. But yeah, I mean, I'd be all for that if they decided they wanted to do it. But I mean, if you've not bought Red Dead, you will not be wasting your money because I I know I look at PlayStation games and and stuff and, you know, and Xbox games and thinking, wow, that's a lot of money to spend on a game. Red Dead is well worth every single penny of it. You will have hours and hours and hours of time in it. So uh, I can't recommend that highly enough. We have the Geek Town Awards coming up fairly soon. And... um, I, I yeah, think I've been, that's I've been gonna... thinking about my like best of year just yeah. stuff kind of thing. So um, we have that coming up fairly soon, and uh, I, I mean, Red Dead's got to be a contender for Game of the Year. I would have thought, yeah, without question. Yeah. So that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> 
So TV and film news this week. We kick off with renewals, cancellations and pickups. Netflix has cancelled The Good Cop, which is a show we've mentioned numerous times on here. It's uh, the Tony Dancer and Josh Groban show. I can't say I'm overly surprised that that didn't make it past the first season. Uh, not yeah. that it was bad. I just found that it it doesn't feel right on Netflix. And I enjoyed it. It was perfectly fine as a show. It just didn't feel like it fitted in to the Netflix mould particularly. And so I'm not overly surprised that it's not made it to another season but it's a shame so i didn't start it now i won't uh but at least we still have the good place and good girls so. yes yes yeah if you're looking for a show with good in it there are other ones available um <laughs> big mouth has been renewed by netflix for his third season which i know will leave. i i thought that, would, that had already happened uh they released the, the video a couple of days ago didn't they it said oh season three coming soon i was like didn't you already renew that show <laughs> but, apparently uh, not but uh, uh Maybe it was something else. Uh, one, three. one that was a little bit of a surprise, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has got a seventh season renewal already. Yeah. And season six isn't out until next year. They're actually going to be shorter seasons. They're going to be 13 episodes because they announced I back in good. May. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I think we've said before, the thing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is it doesn't really matter that it's 13 episodes because it's always been very much a show of two halves. The plot lines have always been half a season long. So yeah. I think two 13-episode seasons works perfectly well for it. Part of the reason for renewing it this early, I think, is because there are some contract negotiations going on. So uh, uh-huh. they they sort of needed to renew it so they could have something to offer people so they didn't have to drop that contracts i think that's that's part of the reason it's it's happened this early on but uh great news though so it means that we've definitely got two more seasons of uh agents of shield coming and the uh the next one's due out in the summer i think it's going to be post avengers i think so they don't yeah, have to deal every, with the everything snap. kind of is isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah so. So they don't apart have from to... um apart from captain marvel which kind of has to come out before yes before to, to introduce that, that character yeah. yeah um so yeah captain marvel before avengers and then agents of shield will be out on tv because they don't want to have to deal with explaining the snap and why they're all still there i guess so uh, <laughs> yeah so yeah. yes so that's back for a seventh season sky one has picked up the magnum pi reboot which I, we kind of predicted was going to be the case because it's all tied into hawaii 5 and macgyver and ncis la oh, okay. it's it's all part of that same universe so mm-hmm. there was no way sky was going to let it go anywhere else there are going to be crossovers with hawaii 5 as you would probably expect because they're both set on hawaii and they're both have the same showrunners so um, <laughs> that will be coming to sky one in january which is when the hawaii Five O and ncisla will be back and i guess macgyver will be back around then as well something to look out for amazon prime has renewed bosch for its sixth season which uh, the fifth season again that's an early renewal fifth season hasn't even come out for that yet i haven't watched any episodes of that show but people tell me it's great so <laughs> we'll have to yeah, see not watched it either so netflix has signed an overall deal with Marty Noxon, which might not be a name that you particularly recognise, but uh, she started a career working on Buffy and Angel and uh, has a very kind of twisted, dark sense of humour. She wrote Unreal. She created that show. Uh, Sharp Objects was hers as well. 
she's also worked on Mad Men, Grey's Anatomy, Glee. So this is a woman that knows exactly what she's doing. She's apparently phenomenally nice having spoken to people that uh, work with her as well. So she's an absolute genius and a really lovely person to work with. She's been nominated for various Emmys. I'm really interested to see what Netflix do with her because I, I think that is a really great, interesting deal given I've, I adore Unreal. I thought that was a great show. She was wonderful on Buffy and Angel. So we'll have to see what else comes yeah, out there's, of that. There's a lot of good shows in that list. So uh, clearly she yeah, doesn't know yeah, what she's doing. No, um, exactly I mean, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen Buffy or Angel yet. Uh, that will probably be part of a classic reviews at, at some point. But um, seen Sharp Objects, haven't seen Mad Men yet. I do intend to start that soon-ish. Not seen Glee before. But uh, I know Grey's Anatomy is still good. Yes. Um, well, you don't you don't get to season fifteen by accident. So <laughs> <laughs> no, no, exactly. And uh, a couple of other quick news stories: Treadstone, the um, spin-off of the Bourne movie franchise and Bourne books. This oh, uh, this, this is the prequel thing. thing. Uh, it's from, uh, cast two of the leads. One of them is a guy called Jeremy Irvine, who I don't really know. He's a Brit actor. He's been in War Horse. He was in Mike Newell's adaptation of Great Expectations. He was in the Bad Education movie, apparently. Played young Sam in oh. Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, who's the most recent thing. So he's <laughs> one of the leads. Who did he play in Bad Education? I'm not sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't think it was one of the major characters. I could be wrong about that, but um, he's one of one of the characters, uh, plays a CIA spy sent out to eliminate a key target, but finds himself embroiled in an international conspiracy. And uh, Brian J. Smith is the other one who will be very familiar for people that watch sense He was uh, in that. He was also in Stargate Universe and Gossip Girl as well with the other two shows that he was known for. But he's, he's a really good actor and... And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see him in this. And I, he plays an oil rig worker called Doug McKenna, whose life is turned upside down when he's discovered long buried truths about himself. So mm. uh, the whole premise for this is, is it's, it follows the Treadstone Protocol. It was the CIA Black Ops program that created the people like Jason Bourne. So it's going to follow various unstoppable assassins that sort of suddenly get activated. Um, mm. and, that and sounds good to me. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a really interesting looking series that um, comes from Tim Kring, who um, oh. slightly bothers me because that's a guy that only can write one decent season and then it all goes to pot. So uh, mm. uh, he was the guy that created Heroes and, uh, and various oh, other heroes. shows. And what was the, the, the Kiefer Sutherland thing before he became president? Touch. Touch, yes, was yeah. his as well, which was great for one season. So... Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm slightly nervous about the fact that he's involved with it, but we'll, we'll see. It has been picked up for a series, so we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Moving on to some other news, Michelle Yeoh is in talks apparently for a Star Trek Discovery series, which I thought looked uh, kind of an interesting idea. So uh, Michelle Yeoh played Philippa Georgiou who, spoiler for those that haven't watched Discovery yet, but um, Felicia Giorgio gets killed off fairly early on, but then kind of gets better <laughs> once they get to the very universe. Right, kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> we don't know exactly what, ver- what version of the character they're kind of talking about with this. There is a very good chance that it's going to be dealing with the Mirror Universe, Giorgio, and Section 31, which is an area which hasn't really been explored very much in the Star Trek universe so far. So, uh, because towards the end of that series, the Mirror Universe, Giorgio, was was approached by Section 31, who are the sort of black ops team of the uh, Star Trek universe. I'm really interested by this, because she's a great actress. This will be one of the other shows that they've been talking about creating, because we've got that Picard series coming we've got the animated comedy lower decks coming as well 
So mm-hmm. um, this yeah. will be another one. And it's interesting that it, it seems to be a direct spin-off from the storyline that was followed in Discovery. But I'm intrigued by this. I think this is a good idea. I do think it's a little bit maybe early, which I know is like yeah. maybe a bit weird. But um, like, because to me, with, with you know being new to Star Trek and stuff, and I really did enjoy Discovery. And I remember we did that very long podcast uh, for, for episode 15, and we talked about some of the other stuff that happened in, in the other series and stuff. Um, and, and like I'd said on that, podcast it's it's weird how like you know my nan used to watch it and then my, my dad watched it kind of with her and he watches discovery and it's it sort of weirdly feels like it got passed to me like hey discovery's here you can you can just jump in and watch this one yeah um so so i i guess in terms of like watching i'd like to focus a bit more on discovery and and that sort of stuff but i'm wondering like resource wise and and that sort of thing how how all this is going to work out it it, it it does remind me of you know when amc said they want to make like you know movies and miniseries and stuff like that for the, the walking, walking dead, dead. And, yeah. and I said about stretching the resource of, of, of people and that kind of stuff. Um, but hey, if they if they're all if they all come out and they're all good, I mean that 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 would be great as well. But um, the idea of this series that sounds pretty good because that's quite an interesting character, especially if it is the the mirror version. She's she's got like a lot of mystery to herself and stuff. It, it should be good. So I'm very interested in dealing with Section Thirty One a bit more. As I say, they're sort of the Black Ops team of of that universe and we've never really covered that and uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's an area which is be very underexplored they sort of covered it a bit in Star Trek Online that have played around with Section 31 a little bit more in the video mm. game but of course that's not kind of canon stuff so I, I think this could be very interesting and I like the fact that it's Star Trek but in a slightly different direction you know we've not gone back to having a very traditional discovering new planets Star Trek series or, or possibly I mean Discovery is the closest we've got to that and I think next season will be maybe a little bit closer to that but yeah um, I you know I like the fact that the, the spin-offs are very very different ideas so um I'm all for this. I think. I think this yeah, is going to be really good. Maybe they'll do a like Game of Thrones of Westworld thing where it's like every other year, so you get a season of, of Discovery, and maybe. then maybe the next year is is um, th- this series, well, and then you kind of swap back and forth. Maybe he's. I mean, what Alex Kurtzman had said, who is the the god of all things Trek at CBS <laughs> now, what he's basically said is there should never be a point, ideally, where CBS All Access doesn't have something Trek related, new okay. Trek related coming onto the platform. Platform. So mm. the so idea like would be, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So the idea would be that you would, it wouldn't be every other year. The the chances are you would be running Discovery, then you might run the spin off, then you might run the Picard series, then Lower Decks, then you might run go back to running Discovery. So mm. it would be an all year round thing. Is the idea mm. you just run them think, back to back? I think that's what DC is doing with their DC yeah. Universe. Thing. Yeah, that's they're exactly Titans what. Now then they're going to go into I think Young Justice is next or something. Yeah. So. That's exactly yeah. what, what DC are, are doing. They've got new shows coming out, but they're running a new show back-to-back. So I think yeah. they're, they're sort of talking about doing that with CBS All Access and trying to run Trek shows back-to-back. Moving on to some casting news, speaking of DC and uh, Supergirl, as we were earlier, they've uh, right. found <laughs> their Lex Luthor, because we knew earlier on they'd, they'd announced that few weeks ago that they were going to introduce Lex Luthor to the show. They've cast John Cryer as Lex Luthor and uh, John Cryer will be most familiar to people as one half of uh, Two and a Half Men 
or one of the men in Two and a Half Men that wasn't Charlie Sheen and wasn't fired and wasn't Aston Kutcher. He was basically last man standing on that show. <laughs> he is, uh, you'll be used to seeing him on that, although with rather more hair, uh, obviously. I mean, the, the guy actually has been going bold for a very, very long time and it was quite an elaborate, he d- huh. described it as a sort of elaborate ruse, his hairstyle, for, and uh, they, they spent a lot of time in makeup getting his hair right because he has been going bold for a very long time. But now he's sort of embracing it and has kind of shave it all off. So um, it, this is really the perfect role for him. And I rather like him. I can see him playing this more serious role because we're used to seeing him in comedies. So this will be a, a bit more of a, a a kind of serious kind of villain role, I guess. I mean, it's still Supergirl and it's still Lex Luthor, but I, I'll be, I'm quite interested to see what he's going to do with this. And he's got his, his sister there already. Is it yeah. his sister? Yeah, Lena. Le- 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 yeah, Lena. so, um, you know, I mean, Lex has never been seen on screen before. He's only been mentioned and the fact that he was in prison. So somehow, obviously, he's getting out of prison, we suspect, unless right. they're doing something <laughs> with him behind behind bars. I don't know. So is he not Charlie Sheen, not Ashton Kutcher, the, the other? The other one, one. The, other yes. Other, okay, yeah. Yeah, huh. yeah, because I saw yeah, because lots of you and lots of different newspapers reported this. I was like, who is this guy? And then now that you said two and a half men, and you said which one it is, I I recognise the guy now. So, yes, he's the uh, other one. Because I, I was sort of like, I don't think I've ever seen him before. Because I've seen episodes here and there of two and a half men. I've never watched it all the yeah. way through. Interestingly, interestingly, he does have a connection to DC and to Lex Luthor because. In the, um, should we say less than good, Superman for the quest for peace, which was basically, I mean, the, the special effects on that movie were essentially bits of um, cardboard tubing and pieces <laughs> of string. I mean, it was it was horrifically under budget. and uh, was horrible. that? Oh, late 80s, probably. Um, oh, okay. Horrendous. It was the uh, it was the last of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, and uh, yeah, oh, it was yeah. very unfortunate that that was the thing that ended up going out on because it was a terrible, terrible film. In that movie, he played Lenny Luther, who was uh, Lex's nephew. So he has right. played a Luther previously. So it adds a little bit of that DC sort of legacy. We do talk about casting on DC shows being a bit like having a Rolodex of all the people that like <laughs> were previously on DC shows and they just pull names out you know right like with uh was it terry hatcher yeah yeah and terry yeah, hatcher yeah. and people like that so uh he's also voiced uh felix faust who is another villain and uh voiced in um justice league action so i mean he has got some connection to having done dc stuff and dc villains before interesting bit of casting i'm looking forward to seeing what he does with that um hmm. Moving on, back to Netflix, we've got them ordering a show called The One, which is a sci-fi show based on the John Mars novel from Misfits creator Howard Overman. This is, it's a 10-episode season order. It's, I mean, it's sort of a sci-fi relationship drama that's described as set five minutes in the future. The One takes place in a world where a DNA test can find you the perfect partner. The one person you're genetically predisposed to fall in love with, no matter how good your relationship, which one of us can honestly say we haven't thought about whether there's somebody better out there what if a hair sample is all it takes to find them the idea is simple but the implications are explosive we'll never think of love and relationships in the same way again i rather like this idea i i mean it sounds perfect for a howard overman kind of show howard overman as i yeah. say created misfits uh created future man as well which is the uh, sci-fi series also created crazy head which was was that show that went out on channel four which we couldn't remember that and it never came back yeah and didn't come back 
back. So just um, like wasted. Yes, yeah. I still mourn the loss of wasted. That was hilarious. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, um, that you know the sort of humour that you're going to get from Howard right. Overman, and this seems like the perfect sort of thing for him. It's, and Netflix, you can get away with more and and that sort of thing. Although yeah. Misfits and Crazy Head were pretty good in that way anyway. So they were like later shows, weren't they? They were like 10 p.m. shows, uh, Misfits and Crazy Head. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Netflix will still allow him to, to tell those kind of crazy stories. So yeah, this yeah. this should be quite good. Yeah. I'm quite looking forward to this. I like the idea of it. I think it's an in- interesting concept. There was an episode of Black Mirror, I think, that did this as an idea. Yeah, they did the relationship thing and yeah. you had... Um was it like a yes and no clock or, or something yeah there, there was, was they pre-timed how long the relationship would last oh yeah, like they? 90 days two years or yeah so or and you sort of had to stay with that person for the pre sort of set amount of time so <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah they've, they've, you've seen similar things and, and this does seem like a sort of series based on kind of an idea of a black mirror but but it is based on an original novel so I'm sure I, I, I'm quite looking forward to this I think it could be quite interesting Moving on, there is a Jack Reacher series in development, which mm. I, I know you posted when I posted this, you're saying what we need is a Jack <laughs> yeah. Bauer series. Yeah. 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 Um, so yes we've had Jack Bauer we've had Jack Ryan we're now getting Jack Reacher cool to be honest I think I may have watched the first movie but I don't remember much about it they're obviously based on novels by uh, Lee Childs and this was an interview he did with the BBC and he was basically saying he loved working with Tom Cruise on those films really really nice guy had lots of fun on it but there were a lot of criticisms from fans because in the books he's described as you know six foot five hands the size of dinner plates and with the best will in the world tom cruise is not that uh, i mm. mean you know he can get away with playing quite a lot but he is he is not the biggest guy and yeah this this was supposed to be somebody more the rock size by the sounds of it so um yeah there was quite a lot of criticism of that and it wasn't how a lot of people saw jack reacher who had read the books so what they're trying to do is they're talking about they've said they won't be any more movies with cruise because they did two of them they're not going to do any more of those they're now going to develop it as a tv series they're going to recast the lead and it will definitely be somebody who is more appropriate to being the size that Rich is supposed to be in the books. I mean, I think this sounds like a a good idea. It looks like a character that I think could work quite well as a series. There's like a whole raft of these Jack Reacher books anyway. There's like nine of them or something that they could mm. use for stories. So they're not exactly short of material. What network has, has got this? Has that not been decided yet? Not been decided yet. At the moment, there's no broadcaster attached to it. I mean, mm. he was talking in the interview about Netflix or someone like that was what he's saying. I think that's so, a good idea. So yeah. I, it will probably go onto a streaming service of some description lightly amazon or netflix is is what they're considering that's probably a good idea yeah that's that's who they're going to try and pitch it to and i mean at the end of the day all all they're saying is they are developing it they think that that is the way forward they are in the process of developing that it's not been sold to anybody so anything could happen with that cool in uh, in the meantime, let's try and get Jack Bauer back because <laughs> yeah. uh, just just like a certain other character, he's still in he's still in the helicopter. Yes, so, uh, yes, yes. I, I, I'd like to see him again. It's it's been four years, so yes. or, almost or, five. All your favorite, <laughs> as we discussed previously, all your favorite characters leaving helicopters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's all the news we have for this week. Next, we have the interview. <laughs> 
It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. The interview this week is with Joseph Frioli, who is the sound designer on a new sci-fi movie called Kin. Joseph has an established reputation for complex and fearless sonic experimentation with his critically acclaimed album as Detachi. In his sound design work for advertising and film, he strives to create the equally unique and immersive world that pushes boundaries and surprises listeners. His latest project sees him develop the amazing magnetic sci-fi sounds for Jonathan Joss Baker's sci-fi movie Kin. Starring Jack Rayner, Miles Truitt, Dennis Craig, Zoe Kravitz, and Jane Franco. The film is described as a crime thriller with a sci fi twist and tells the story of an unexpected hero destined for greatness, chased by a vengeful criminal played by Franco and a gang of otherworldly soldiers. A recent released ex con and his adopted teenage brother are forced to go on the run with a weapon of mysterious origin as their only protection. Here's the interview with Joseph. We'll be back after this with some highlights for next week on TV. Thank you for coming on. It's it's lovely to chat with you. We, we've spoken to a few sound designers before, but do you want to just explain what your job is for people who haven't heard the other sound design interviews we've done? <laughs> sure. So basically what I do is um, I create sound effects and, and, and sounds for things in, in movies that you know, don't necessarily exist in, in real life. I mean, an easy example is, you know, anything science fiction or um, creatures and, and that kind of thing. And uh, that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect of, of my job is finding the drama and the storytelling through sound to support the film and enhance it, the experience. Cool. That makes sense, I think. Um, <laughs> the film that you've been working most recently on is uh, Kin, which right. I think I think has just had a release in the UK. Oh, cool. November 9th. I haven't managed to catch it yet, but it, it, November 9th, I think it came out. So it's, it's literally just been released over here. Oh. Um, before we get into the movie itself, start off with a little bit of background. How did you get into doing sound design in the first place? It was kind of funny. Like I, when I was really young, I was a guitar player when I was... You know, started playing guitar when I was around 10 years old and I would just play all the time all my free time would be playing guitar and I had an older brother who's a musician and so we had this little four track studio in the basement and I just started experimenting with sounds with these effects pedals my brother had and all, and all these uh, different instruments we had in the basement just to sort of see what the instruments could do I mean that, that was my first real experimentation with sound and then it wasn't until when I was 16 years old when Jurassic Park came out I went to go see it with my brother and uh, the sound of that T-Rex was so unexpected. Mm. Uh, it, 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 like, I just thought it was like the, it, like, ter- I wasn't expecting to be scared in that movie, but it was actually like so terrifying because it was so unexpected yet so fitting to that creature, especially when it was attacking the kids in the car when you first see it on camera. But that really blew me away. And then it was like a couple of weeks later, they they had, a you know, Gary Rydstrom on a, a news special talking about the sound of Jurassic Park. And they just showed him so, sort of sitting behind a, a mixing console, mixing the different sounds of the animals together to make the, the sound of the dinosaurs and I was like whoa you know I couldn't believe that was somebody's job and it just stuck with me I was like that was really cool and I was like I just thought it was such a cool thing and then you know it, was, it wasn't until years later I mean I had a career um 
as a uh, electronic musician, I make experimental electronic music under the alias Detachi. Right. And it was through that where I got an opportunity to sonify a museum installation at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. And it was that was my first time working in picture. I was like probably 21 years old or 22. And it was, that, that really clicked for me, too. I was like, oh, you know, this is working to someone else's picture. It was like almost like I, w- I was creating these movies in my head. And I, I feel like... Leo, like the movies and stuff that inspired inspired my music, right? So mm. so when I was working doing sound design to picture, it just all sort of came together. It's like, oh, this is so fulfilling because it's like, you know, the, the imagery is already there to support rather than just, you know, these images in my head that I'm trying to describe solely through sounds. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah totally. So yeah. So that's like sort of how it started. And then like, you know, it was years of freelancing around and, and uh, until I had like enough clients to, to really be doing this full time. So yeah, the film Kin is uh, based on on a short film done by the, the same director as Jonathan Josh Baker. Uh, the yeah. film for the, I've actually seen Bagman because the, the short he's up on YouTube. So I watched that earlier today, which is a, oh. it's a great little short. And I can really see how you can sort of expand that idea out into a bigger film the larger film it feels from the trailers and stuff i've seen it almost feels like a like little indie intimate film but then has this big sci-fi kind of twist to it which i I thought was a really interesting idea yeah it's super cool i mean they really went all out with multiple genres being sort of threaded together and different storylines that all sort of come together at one point towards the end of the film and, and, and uh, sort of reveals itself in an interesting way, like what the purpose of the different interactions were. And um, the bakers are great at that. They're great at having an idea, uh, a simple idea and expanding upon it and building a world around it. And it's, we just have so much fun. I mean, I've been working with them for a long time now, probably I've done all of their projects since uh, probably 2007 or 2008 commercials, short films, and then this feature. But with the um, with that short film, it, it was a special, special thing. I mean, we knew it was special and just we really put everything into it and, and made it something unique and, and uh, had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. And is it odd working for kind of two directors? Because two directors was something you never used to get very much. And then you kind of the Bukowskis came along and the Russos. And, and right. now you've got the, got the Baker brothers that are, are doing it. And uh, <laughs> so they're twins, aren't they? They're twin brothers. They're so, twin brothers. They look identical, but they're not. They're, they're, I mean, a lot of people have a really hard time telling them apart, especially when they have their haircuts the same and that kind of thing. Right. Uh, but, but they're actually, what is it, fraternal twins, I think. So it's like they, you know, it's not uh, identical. But anyway, I mean, I mean, it's just I'm so used to it, um, and, and it's and it's great. I mean, it, you know, when it, the more you get to know them, you know their subtle their differences as people and, and how they both contribute. Like they can easily finish these other's ideas and, and sentences and, and all that kind of thing. But at the same time, they have a slightly different opinion sometimes, and they they're so used to working things out that it winds up being a really huge uh, beneficial thing because they're able to work out these uh, singular ideas and uh, together and they're also really smart so <laughs> it's really really great yeah that that helps <laughs> yeah for sure yeah <laughs> you sort of got yeah, and you also got always got a sounding board there regardless you know which must be really useful for them yeah for sure there's a lot of sci-fi elements in the film how was your approach to that because i know it's it, a lot of it's based around this sort of magnetic energy idea yeah so you know we started off like john and josh had that idea like really early um before we even wrote the script like all this stuff all their technology based off magnetism 
So, you know, I had a lot of time to think and play around with it. And I started off with like, you know, the, the sort of what anyone would expect that to sound like, which is like, you know, like low frequency textural humming and that kind of thing. And then that, that I was like, ah, you know, that's not really that interesting or new and exciting. So I just kept playing around with the idea and thinking about that concept and just came up with a palette of sounds that sort of could represent how this technology works and how these, how the magnetism is working from a mechanical standpoint, which Mm. gave another layer of like textural interest to the sounds. That was the second step. And then the third step was thinking about magnetism conceptually on how you have all these characters that are sort of these broken characters and how they're all coming together as a form of magnetism. So I had that in my subconscious, like thinking about connecting these characters. And it was like another layer of sound design where I would just sort of try to bring these characters together with sound to help support that aspect of the story. Yeah. There's a couple of other interesting characters in this as well, which are referred to as the cleaners. And uh, they're they're sort of stormtrooper-esque kind of they're all, all in black completely covered suit people uh, and yeah. they ha- they have a kind of language moving backwards and forwards so the voices for those are actually you and your wife that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so that was a fun thing too is because in the script they were never supposed to have any voices they were supposed to just have like this ominous breathing which is also there but the first scene that I got was when they're in the Ducati dealership scanning these motorcycles. And basically they, they, there was this one shot where one of them looks at the other one. And I had done I had the breathing. And I was really happy with that. But I was like, oh, man, you know, it was like it feels just it was the perfect place for it to put some kind of communication between them to make it even more mysterious. Mm. Like they're, they're talking to each other. They're, they're communicating. So I, I created a sort of rough idea of that and uh, sent it over to Mark Day, the editor, and you know, he played it for the bakers and they loved it. So I just went on to create this language for these characters to thread throughout the movie. And I did it by just, yeah, I was recording long passages of dialogue of both my wife and I talking about our cats and random <laughs> stuff and just to, to get different things out of my wife, you know, just like make her laugh or do these weird things because the way that I would process the dialogue would, would you know, the different inflections of your voice would uh, just result in different interesting sort of weird glitches and things like that. Mm. So I created this process and this language. And then so it was this big scrambled, jumbled up long passage of dialogue for two different people, for my wife and myself as a source material. And then I would just go in and edit together all the little pieces of dialogue. So there's like little syllables and phonemes and cut them up and, and just make them into a language that almost felt like you could understand what they were trying to communicate. Like as if you were listening, if you didn't speak, uh, let's say Italian, but it's a Latin based language. So through their expressions, you can kind of understand what they're communicating, yeah. but you have no idea what they're saying kind of thing. So it was that approach. And, um, yeah, so it, it just worked out really well. I think it, there was even one scene in the end where John and Josh were sure that they knew what the cleaners were saying and they, and, uh, it wasn't at all that but it just i just said edit it to the action and to the 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 bit of the story that was happening so your your brain automatically thinks that you know what the character is saying (laughs) (laughs) yes that was really fun that's cool that's very cool yeah yeah, it was fun man what sort of objects are you using to create a sound or what's the oddest thing that you found to get a sound out of? That's a tough one. I mean, they're all pretty odd, I guess. I I don't don't know what a standard thing would be is the interesting thing. I use everything I can find to support an idea. So, you know, a lot of stuff from the dollar store, from like, you know, the party supply stores up to like 
you know, proprietary sound design computers and stuff like that. So, so it's anything I, that's available to, to sort of support the idea. Um, I use, uh, when the cleaners throw these magnetic balls into the air and they sort of disperse into these little pyramids and form this hologram. Um, I use this thing called an ohm wand, which is, um, it's almost like a, it's like a device. It looks like a sword with a plastic piece of tape around it. Right. That goes- perimeter of it and you swing it around it makes a sound and it was originally developed for like meditation and stuff like that like almost as an alternative to a tibetan singing bowl kind of thing uh, right okay yeah yeah and uh you know all my friends know that i'm like super into sound and stuff like that so even i'll just get stuff for christmas or gifts from friends <laughs> like anytime any of my friends like find some weird thing on their travels they get it for me and my buddy got me this thing and i was like oh my god it was like perfect timing he's like this is perfect for this sound and uh there's a lot i use my uh my Eurorack modular synthesizer which is a what a modular synthesizer is it's like a big panel it looks like a patch bay of different modules almost mm. looks what people would think is a telephone communication patch bay from like the 1950s or something yeah but basically what that enables me to do is is create original sounds and unique sounds uh by patching together these different modules and controlling them with uh different controllers like i had a wii uh nunchuck controller connected to the synthesizer where i would able to control and make all these different articulations by waving my hand around using the accelerometer and the controller (laughs) so that was super fun (laughs) that's very cool and on the sort of opposite end of that what's the most mundane thing you've used to get like a noise which has ended up in the film good question you know taylor james franco's character at one point is cooking yeah and uh and they were i don't know why the bakers were we were it was before a screening and they were really hung up on like oh yeah make sure you make the 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 sandwich like sound like it's burning i'm like really and you want me to focus on the sandwich <laughs> so, so so i just went and recorded like some stuff in the frying pan just to get the right sizzling of the sound of this this sandwich that was pretty burnt awesome. <laughs> but it was just more funny in the context we have like all these like you know big action sci-fi things to handle and like oh yeah don't forget the sandwich yeah yeah we always focus on like the most interesting weird and wonderful things it's like you've also got to do this <laughs> right exactly right <laughs> um, <laughs> so the music in, fil- in the film's done by uh, Mogwai, the great Scottish band. Is, is there any kind of leakage between you as the sound designer and and the the score? It's really interesting. I actually have a long history with Mogwai. So back on my second album release, they had done a remix for me ah. for, for my Daitachi project back in 2000. So, you know, I was in touch with them back then and I reconnected with them when, when you know, they signed on to do this film and uh, just o- over email. And it was kind of amazing. I, I only had a couple of thoughts that, you know, because I was working on the film at that point for about 10 months when they got involved. And I was like, hey, guys, you know, the sound of the, the main weapon, Eli's weapon, you know, is it's an atonal sound that I created on my modular synthesizer. It doesn't like exist on any particular key. And plus it's fluctuating pitch because there's a shepherd tone filter on it. Right. And that was one thing I told him. And then the other thing I told him was it'd be really great if we can sort of integrate your style of because their music is very sound design driven i mean it's very like there's aspects of it that are very tonal and and, and textural mm. and i was you know it'd be super cool if we can sort of integrate this the music and sound so it becomes one thing in certain scenes and that was it and then we just talked we joked around a little bit on an email and that, and that was it and then when i heard the final score i think it was coming in during the final mix the first day of the final mix i was blown away by what they did i mean there was one scene where the sound and music 
they actually, I have this beeping of the weapon when Eli finds the weapon in this abandoned warehouse and it's beeping like almost like a beep, bit of sonar. And that's like a whole nother story that I created like this whole, like a, it's almost like a part of that conceptual magnetism where the gun sort of calls Eli with mm. sound. So it's, it's beeping as Eli gets closer to it, the beepers beeps accelerate. So during that time when, when Eli picks the weapon up, it's beeping at a certain tempo and pitch and Mogwai started the piece of music to that pitch and in that time of the beeps. And it's like a main theme of Eli's that works throughout the film. And then they did that like without even, you know, communicating with me, which just shows like that it's really cool. It's almost like we were jamming, you know, yeah. that they, they were able to do that. So it, it really, that was like one of my favorite scenes, how it worked out. That's very cool. Yeah. So what's the most interesting experience you've had while working? I mean, it's always fun to go out and record because you always, there's always other aspects to it that you're not expecting. Like, okay, I'm going to go to this location and I'm going to record these sounds. But what you don't realize is you're, you're having this experience and you're going to a place that you may not go otherwise and you meet new people and you meet them under a different context and and you know recording is always something I, I really love to do and uh, with this film in particular I think the best part about it was the experience of being able to work with John and Josh for so long because we you know on, on this one project and collaborate so closely because you know we're, we've become such good friends over it and, and the whole crew too you mentioned being out recording sound there are you, are you one of the sort of people that always have a kind of mic microphone or recording device just in case you stumble across oh my god absolutely and i'm always wondering like which mic should i put in the car like where am i going like like that's like a big part of my day because i have like a small recorder in, in the car and then i have a, another even smaller one on me it's this little mic called an insta mic which is this really great it's the world's smallest portable recorder it's about the size of a quarter waterproof and does mid-side recording and all these other different things that really work well for uh, post-production although you need to play with the sound to get it sound good but that's on me then I have another one in the car and uh, my worst feeling is when I'm in a situation like oh my god I wish I had my mic with me or something because <laughs> it's just you never know like when when, when, yeah. when something good's gonna come up and and uh, I think it was Dave Rose a sound editor on this movie told me like his his professor when he was in school told him the best mic that you have is the mic that's on you and that's totally i mean i've recorded amazing sounds with crappy mics just because it was happening and i was you know you know you can always plan for that stuff so yeah yeah must be occasions you're out with the wife and it's like you're not listening to me are you you've just heard something <laughs> yeah yeah oh all the time all the time and a lot of times i'm just i'm talking about some we have these conversations sometimes that are like both going one way like i'm talking about some sound thing and she's talking to me about some like shopping thing or something or you know or we're just not even <laughs> And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> um, so I'll give you the last two questions that we ask everybody. Cool. So the first yeah. one is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? You know what? I watch so much TV, especially streaming TV, that I'm like out of TV shows. I've watched everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you tell me, tell me something good to watch. Um, oh, um, man. One show which really surprised me that I, I watched because I interviewed somebody that was, was working on it, which was Mozart in the Jungle which is an Amazon okay. series. It's about the sort of fictional New York Philharmonic. And I was kind oh. of like, I don't know whether I want to watch a thing about a Philharmonic orchestra. But it's hilarious. It's really wow. funny. Awesome. It's well worth watching. The sound sound okay. work in it is lovely as well. That That's one I would recommend. Okay. I'm trying to think what else you've got. Have you watched Dark? No, I haven't. That's the, uh, the German language thing on Netflix, isn't it? Yeah, it's so great. Yeah. I mean was blown away by it at first i was like oh man netflix defaulted to being dubbed and i'm like this is completely awful i can't get into it. 
<laughs> like the dub is so, yeah, yeah. I can't watch that. But as soon as you turn on the subtitles, it's like, wow. I mean, the writing, the tone, they really nailed it on that show. And it, it was such a surprising, well-written thing. It kind of reminded me of like, it's like Stranger Things, but mixed with like Lost or it was a great show. I thought was, uh, that and uh, Handmaid's Tale. Have you watched that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seen Handmaid's Tale. Love that. Yeah. Um uh, Umbrella Academy is another one that I'd watch out for on Netflix. Oh my God. Umbrella Academy has got produced. That's yeah. amazing. Funny story about that. John and Josh, maybe 10 years ago, I believe pitched on that movie. Really? And I did a, I did a little sound treatment for, for a, a movie uh, version of that. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. This was a long time ago. I'm surprised it was, uh, that's cool that they developed it into a TV show. I want to check that out for sure. Yeah, Netflix series, 15th of February next year, that's coming oh, out. Cool. Yes, that's one for you. The last question, mm-hmm. if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present or future, which show would it be? Wow, that's hard. Past, present or future. Let's see. Let me think. I would say Lost. Yeah. Frank Marone is a good friend of mine who, who was the mixer on Kin. Amazing mixer. He makes that whole show. So I'm always asking him questions about it. He loves talking about it too. So it's awesome. And because of the process too for Frank and, and everyone on the team, like I was so into it as an audience member, but you know, for them too, they were into it, but they didn't know what was going to happen until they got <laughs> this show. So, so, and you know, they're just working with JJ Abrams sounded really great. And just the, the sounds that were created for that show, I thought were really unique and uh and really felt like a part of that world and it was so mysterious and i think mystery is something that i always look for in, in any any kind of film or tv thing it's, it's like no matter what the the main genre is if there's a subtext of mystery i i, I love it and they i think you know anything damon lindelof does always has that and sometimes i think feel like it turns people off because they're like where is this going what's going on and like people need stuff to be like some people need mm. stuff to be very very direct but i i love it because the way that he writes like for example with with lost it's like you're in there with the characters you don't they don't know what's going on and you don't you know so you're discovering it together and then and uh, i believe he wrote prometheus with ridley scott you know that's another movie that has a very you know you feel like you're in the movie because you know you know you're discovering things as they happen so that that's a really fun aspect of storytelling that i love yeah because he's got watchman coming out oh yeah that's right yeah go yeah. check that out so for sure that's, i mean don't know when that's gonna land yet probably next year sometime but uh that's yeah. definitely going to be one to watch I think definitely awesome well thank you for coming on and spending a little bit of time to chat through your stuff I'm uh, I, as I say I haven't managed to see the movie yet but I, it is one that I will go and try and catch awesome man I hope you like it yeah it looks really cool it's a really interesting idea so uh, looking forward to it cool. I will let you get back to your day thank you so much talk to you soon right, bye. Bye. bye that was the interview with Joseph Frioli the sound designer on Kin Kin has recently been released in UK cinemas and uh, you may be able to catch it there but you can actually buy it as a stream from Amazon right now. The DVD and Blu-ray discs are out on the 26th of December, which you can also get from Amazon and any other good retailer. Now we'll move on to some highlights for next week on TV. So a little short on highlights for next week on TV this week. Uh, There's just not that many new things starting. We've got um, Mystery Science Theatre 3000, which is the second season, but that's subtitled The Gauntlet. That has Kingus, who subjects Jonah and the bots to a devious new experiment, a back-to-back marathon of six hilariously cheesy and riff-worthy films. So uh, 22nd of November for that, if you want to go and look at that. 
Uh, the Brokenwood Mystery, which is back for its fifth season. That's the New Zealand detective drama series. That's on the 23rd of November on Drama at 8pm for that. And then Frontier, which has the Man Mountain that is Jason Momoa <laughs> back. You can also catch an actual man fairly soon. That's uh, on Netflix for season three of that on the 23rd of November. Um, I've not watched the uh, first couple of seasons of this. It's about the North American fair trade. Uh, there are only six episodes each. They're fairly short runs, huh. actually. So they might be worth going to, to look up. But uh, third season of that is coming on the 23rd of November. That's Frontier. So uh, that's everything for this week, unless you've got anything else you want to mention. You call me on Twitter at eTalkUK. For us, if you want more information, you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week to see the latest air date info. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. And of course, we are now on Spotify. If you want to search for Geektown Radio on Spotify, you can find us on there. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.